You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. along with my husband, Archie, we're the pastors for Catalyst Vineyard in Inverurie. Uh, welcome to those that are joining us online as well. Uh, Inverurie doesn't have a service today, and nor do the Mern site, due to all of the flooding. So I brought a little posse along with me just to, you know, cheer me on, as it were. Uh, but welcome, Inverurie. Welcome, Merns, and anyone else that's joining online. You're so uh, very welcome. A few uh, days ago, maybe about a week ago, Archie and I had a difficult decision to make. Anyone else had difficult decisions to make in life? Anyone else had difficult decisions to make in life? Yes. <laughs> you have all, really. Um, some of you might hear this decision and think that's not really a very difficult decision. Some of you might think it is. But we have a dog, and uh, her name is Bria, and she is two years old. She's a golden doodle, and we think she is awesome. Now, when, in fact, even before we got the dog, the kids and Archie had all decided that we were going to breed our dog, that we were going to have a litter of puppies. Now, uh, some of us were more keen about that <laughs> than others of us. And last week, it was kind of D-Day, as it were. She was in season, and that meant that it was time for her to go to the breeders, if indeed that was what we were going to decide that we should do. And so I said to Archie, the thing is, if she has a litter of puppies now, they will be born just before Christmas. I work for the church three days a week, and I also am a school teacher two days a week. Christmas is probably my busiest time of the year. And so I said to Archie, if we're going to have this litter of puppies, you need to come to me with a timetable of who is going to look after the puppies, when they're going to be looked after, and I must not be on that timetable. <laughs> because I can't possibly do it as well as everything else that I do. So Wednesday came. In fact, interestingly enough, I was sitting with my Bible out, prepping for this preach. And he said to me, here's a timetable, Jude. Today is the day. I was like, I can see the timetable, Archie, but just feels a little bit scary. Like eight weeks of puppies running around. And she's a big dog, so she'd have a big litter, like eight or nine puppies running around the place at Christmas time. I just feel a little bit nervous about that. So I said to him, as all good pastors would, <laughs> let's pray. Let's pray, Archie. Kind of, that's not really great, is it? Because I'm putting all of that decision on God and taking none of that on myself. But we did, we prayed. Anyway, to cut a long story short, four visits to the vet later, no puppies for Bria, no puppies for us. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Anyway, I really just tell you that story as way of introduction because today's sermon is about wisdom. And it was kind of ironic that we were making a decision about having eight or nine puppies at Christmas time whilst I was preparing a sermon about wisdom. 
So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, we're going to be reading from James 3, verses 13 to 18. And if you've been around our church for the last little while, you'll know that we're going through the book of James. We're reading through it together. And you'll have heard a bit of an introduction to the book. But if you are joining maybe online for the first time or you're in church for the first time today, maybe you don't know much about the book of James. Now, James was probably written by James, Jesus's brother. And what I love about this book is that it is so down to earth, so practical, and there is no beating around the bush. And today's passage, there is no beating around the bush either. So uh, why don't we read together uh, James 3 verses 13 to to 18. It should come up, there we go, on the screen as well. Two kinds of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. I told you, no beating around the bush here. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and it's active and that you speak to us today. And anything that is of you, Lord, I pray that it would stick. And anything that's not of you, would it just fall away? So, Lord, we just bring you this morning. We say, would you speak to us? We open our hearts to you and say, speak, Lord. We're listening. Amen. So... Let's have a little look at what wisdom is. So I had a little bit of a look at the dictionary definition for wisdom. And it says that it's the ability to make sensible decisions (laughs) and give good advice because, because of experience and knowledge that you have. And when I was looking at what it meant biblically, it says that it's God centered and God given and has a practical outworking. And just before this passage, James has just talked about the tongue and how the tongue can be used to build up and the tongue can be used to destroy. And so there's a question right at the beginning of this uh, bit in scripture. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Listening to that question made me think, you know what? I wonder who is wise and understanding amongst us? Who am I wise and understanding? And how do we become wise and understanding? And so we're going to look at those two questions today. So how do I know who is wise and understanding and am I wise and understanding? And secondly, uh, how do I become wise and understanding? And I think we can look at it with two lenses. We can look at actions and decisions that we make. and We can look at advice that we give and the advice that we're given. So First of all, let's have a look at how do we know who is wise and understanding amongst us? And I want to suggest that we know that by the fruit, because it talks about all of the fruit that we will see if uh, it is wisdom that comes from heaven 
and the kind of fruit that we'll see if it's wisdom that is earthly. And we might look at that as God-centered wisdom and me-centered wisdom. So I'm going to start just by talking about two friends of mine. I'm not going to use any names. Uh, The first friend is actually no longer with us. She passed away a few years ago. And some of you will probably know her as I describe it. Describe her, you'll be thinking, I know exactly who that person is. Do you know, she would be someone that I would spend time saying, hey, can can I speak to you? Because I've got a decision to make. I need to do something, and I'm not sure which is the right way to go. How did I know that she was someone I wanted advice from? How did I know that she was someone that was wise and understanding? I'll tell you when, um, before we led in Peru, we were the kids' pastors, overseeing the kids' ministry across all of the sites and services. And um, as part of that, we used to go into schools and do assemblies. And assemblies in the local primary schools are really early in the morning. And so I would get here really early in the morning to meet with team and to get ready and get prepped. And I used to think, I'm going to get there. I'm going to be the only person in the building. And I'm going to be able to get my head in the game. Nearly every time I arrived, she was here. She was here because she didn't want anyone else to know she was here. Because what she was doing was she was taking those coffee cups that you use every Sunday and she was making sure that there wasn't even a little bit of stain inside these coffee cups. But she didn't want anyone to know that it was her because she was doing it for God and for his house. She'd always talk about his house and how he needed to make sure that his house was a place of his. And so he needed to respect it, respect it and look after it. She'd also take the dirty tea towels home, wash the dirty tea towels and bring them back. And nobody knew who did the dirty tea towels and how comes the dirty tea towels were always clean when we went to use them in the week in church. She was also the kind of person that would make sure people felt loved and they felt valued, no matter who they were. She was always serving at Lifestyle. She was always serving with the kids. She was always at mainly music because her life wasn't her-centered, but it was God-centered. And you could see that from the fruit in her life. So she was the kind of person that I was going to ask advice from because I could see that it was all about God, all about the church, his church, and all about the kingdom. Before I tell you about another one of my friends, I'm going to do a little straw poll. Some of you thought that I brought my banana because I was hungry this morning, but actually it was for a little prop. Who of you likes bananas here? Hands up. Who of you, out of those that like bananas, like their bananas to be pretty much green? My children would be amongst them. Kids, why have you not got your hands up? (laughs) Who of you likes your bananas to be just perfectly yellow? Like not even a splodge of brown on it. And who of you quite likes it when it's starting to go slightly over and it's got a little bit of brown splodge and it's quite soft. And actually when you open it up, it might be quite gooey. Oh, there are some of you. Okay, so here's the question. If you are the kind of person who likes your banana perfectly yellow, Sunny, I saw both hands go up there. Who of you has opened your banana and inside your banana you found a big splodgy brown bit of messy bruise and your heart goes, oh. Have any of you done that? Was that just me? Yeah, yeah, there are people in the room that are like me and get a bit gutted. Anyway. 
Do you know, so often things can look wonderful on the outside. And when we peel away and we look at the underneath, we look at the heart behind what's going on. It's not quite what it's cracked up to be. My other friend is also very dear to me. She's a very good friend. And she knows about Jesus, but I'm not sure whether she has a relationship with Jesus. And her life to the outside looks perfect. I mean, she has a beautiful house. She has lovely, fast, four by four, which is what you need in this weather, cars. And she goes on the most beautiful foreign holidays that I try very hard not to envy. To be honest with you, in an earthly perspective, it looks like she's been very wise. She's invested her money in the right places. She's been careful with how she spent her money. And if I was going to ask her for advice about a car, which uh, I have done (laughs) and I do do, she would give me really good advice. But if I was to ask her about things of life and how I'm going to spend my life, She might give me quite different advice. You see, I think sometimes heavenly advice can look very different to earthly advice. Let's take for a moment Noah. Noah built a boat before there was even a drop of rain. Sound like a good idea or not? Not really, does it at the time? Joshua, who was leading the Israelites into the promised land, he needed to get through Jericho or around Jericho, and it was impossible. So he told his army, we're going to march around it seven times. And then when we get to the last bit, we're going to blow horns, we're going to shout, and you just watch the walls come tumbling down. I'm not sure what his army probably thought about that bit of advice as they were walking around for the fifth, for the sixth time. What about Gideon? Gideon was the weakest of his tribe, and his tribe were the weakest, but yet God chose to use them. And he didn't just say, go with the army that you've got. He said, let's whittle down the army so you've got very few left. Did that seem wise in the moment? But we will know whether heavenly wisdom... Oh, I've got two other examples I've forgotten about, actually. The other, the other two, one of them, you, is, these are more close to home. And some of you will know Andy and Elsa, those in Inverurie know Andy and Elsa, but they were here. There were a couple in the site out in Inverurie, and they gave up good jobs in the oil industry and a job as a doctor to give their year to being Jesus' hands and feet to the most marginalized and the poorest in the world. And currently, they're in Greece working with Greek refugees. Or what about the people that have given up their houses and their homes and their friends and, they've, and their church and they've moved from here to different parts of Scotland, to Stirling or Inverclyde or all um, the other places <laughs> that people have gone to? That might seem like an earthly thing, like what on earth are you doing that for? That seems kind of crazy. But we'll know heavenly wisdom by the fruit. Noah was proved right when the rain came down and the floods came up. And humankind was saved and all of those animals were saved. Joshua was proved right when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down and the Israelites were able to carry on towards the promised land. Gideon, God's name was glorified because it certainly wasn't Gideon's name or the army's name because there were so few of them in that moment. 
Andy and Elsa just sent me a message just this week talking about a story of how they were meeting with refugees and sharing cups of tea and stories and chai, in fact. And then you look at all the church plants that have gone out from here and you just think, God is meeting with people in Stirling, in Inverclyde, in East Kilbride, exactly the same way as he's meeting with people here. People are coming to know Jesus because of what maybe looked like crazy wisdom at the time. But heavenly wisdom shows a different thing. It's interesting because we were singing that song, Your Way is Better. Do we mean his way is better, church? <laughs> you guys are half asleep. Does he mean, do we mean his way is better? We do, we do. I just want to go back to my second friend just for a moment there, do you know? And there's nothing wrong with having a lovely house. There's nothing wrong with having good cars in essence and nice holidays. But what do we do with it? What's the intention behind it? Do we have a nice large house so we can invite lots of people in? And we can see God's kingdom grown and established. So secondly, let's look at the fruit that we might see from wise advice. The passage suggests that if it's godly or heavenly advice, in verse 13, it says that it'll be offered humbly. And the fruit that we will see in verse 17 is peace-loving, submissive, considerate, impartial, and sincere. And I've been thinking a lot about this recently and I've been thinking about what that looks like somebody might come and offer a piece of advice but if it is centered on self the advice comes across very differently to if it's centered on God is it being brought in a humble and submissive and a considerate way will it bring disorder discord disunity or will it bring peace and love and unity so so if that's how we know whether somebody is wise and understanding by the fruit and what we see how do we therefore make sure that we become wise and understanding because I want to be more wise and understanding do you want to be more wise and understanding <laughs> can you tell I'm a teacher come on let's have some feedback in the room <laughs> So how do we become wise and understanding? If we're going to have good fruit in our lives, we need to have good growing conditions. I think about plants and trees, and you think about if they have good growing conditions, then they have good fruit. So the first good growing condition that I thought of when I was thinking about this was the tree's roots. Now, a tree or a plant gets lots of its nourishment from its roots, lots of its food. And that's not the only way for those scientists amongst us. It's not the only way that trees and plants receive good fruit, but that is one of them. And as I was preparing for today, I was reminded of a song that I used to sing when I was a child. And I'm going to try and sing it for you. It goes like this. Don't build your house on the sandy land. Don't build it too near the shore. Well, it might look kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice, or you'll have to build your house once more. You better build your house upon a rock. Make a good foundation on a solid spot. Well, the storms may come and go, but the peace of God you will know. Who knows that song? Oh, there are some of you then. You could have joined in. You did, you did, you did. <laughs> the song is based on the scripture in uh, Matthew 7, where it talks about the wise and the foolish builders. 
And in that scripture, it's Jesus is talking to the people and he says, do you know, if you take the words of mine and you put them into practice, it's like building your life on a solid rock. It's like building your house on a solid rock. If you take the words of mine and you don't put them into practice, it's like building your house on the sand where anything comes your way and it's going to be washed and you're going to be thrown around by the wind and the waves and the, the storm and what's going on around you. And I was thinking about this, and I was like, how do we today know the words of Jesus and put them into practice? We know them through the Bible. The Bible is full of Jesus' words. And I want to encourage you, if you don't spend time reading the Bible, I want to encourage you to take this book, read it, but not just read it, put what you read into practice. Because then it will be like your roots will be on a solid rock. You'll be on a firm foundation. And when the things come this way and that, and life happens, you'll know, I read that in the Bible. I know that what Jesus would say about that is this. That, was, that is wise advice. You're not going to get any wiser advice than this, people. So I want to suggest that you do that. And also, do you know, sometimes we have like a little sense in our spirits, don't we, of like what's right and what's wrong. Like, I had a bit of a sense that we probably wasn't really the wisest idea to have puppies at this time. And the Lord agreed with me, funnily enough. <laughs> and that's, that's a bit of a joke, by the way, before there's any theological <laughs> conversations about that. Um, and I've totally lost track of what I was saying. Um, yeah, sometimes we have a sense in our spirit and we just, we just know, you know, I think that's a wise thing or that's not a wise thing. And as long as it marries up with what it says in the word, can I just encourage you to do what you have that sense in your spirit is saying to do? As long as it's not totally against what it says in here and it marries up with what it says in scripture, then do it. Do you know, we also need to have more of the Holy Spirit, don't, you, don't we? Because it says that the Holy Spirit gives us good gifts. There's fruits of the Holy Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be asking for more of the Holy Spirit. Because I want to see more of that good fruit in my life. So the first thing, the first good growing condition is good roots. Where we put our foundation, where our feet are. Um. As I was looking out at our garden, as I was preparing this, and I was thinking about the fact that we need to make sure that we have good roots. I was thinking about an apple tree that we have. A while ago, uh, our garden had been kind of in a bit of turmoil because we'd had an extension and we were sorting out our garden. And I was like, how can I make my garden look really lovely? I'm going to put really beautiful plants in it, make sure that there's nice, bright, colourful things. Archie, my husband on the other hand, he decided that anything he was going to put in the garden needed to make sure that it gave us something back. So he brought, very practical, a blueberry bush, a red currant bush, a black currant bush and an apple tree. <laughs> the red currant bush is very fruitful. The blueberry bush we ran over with a lawnmower and produces nothing at all. And the black currant bushes are so little that the birds come and peck the fruit. The apple tree. The first year we had the apple tree, we had one apple on it. Sorry, Inverurie people, you've heard this story before. Sorry. Um, it had one apple on it and Archie was like, oh, we're going to make sure that we make the most of that apple. So he made the apple into an apple tart. One apple, one apple tart fed five of us. Impressive, right? Well, the next year he was like, 
Any fruit on the tree when it came to spring? No, no fruit on the tree next year. Any fruit on the tree? No, no fruit on the tree next year. Any fruit on the tree? Well, this is how it went on. Until one year, he was like, Jude, I can see blossom on the tree. So he gets out of the back door. He goes down to the tree and comes back into the house looking a bit sad. He was like, it wasn't blossom. It was the sun. (laughs) No blossom on the tree. So he gets really annoyed and decides he's going to cut the whole tree down. He's going to prune it right back pretty much to like this high. I mean, it was quite high at the time. All of it cut down. Well, as it grew... The next year, I don't even know if he looked up when was a good time to prune a tree. He just was cross with it and just cut this tree. But the next year, there was blossom all over the tree. And it got me thinking, do you know, in life there are times that we have pruning that happens. I don't imagine that's often a very nice time in life. Sometimes it can actually be really difficult But as a result of the pruning, as a result of getting rid of some stuff in life that we know isn't honoring God, isn't maybe doing us any good, the Lord brings beautiful fruit. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, do you know if you're going through a really tough time, if things feel really hard, maybe the Lord's just doing some pruning. And we would really love to pray with you at the end of this service or the people online or maybe pray for you. If you're going through a tough season, you're like, Lord, I want to see the fruit of this tough season. Trust me that after the pruning, there is often so much beautiful fruit. Not only that, but I I thought this apple tree was a self-pollinating tree. I'm not sure whether it is or whether it isn't a self-pollinating tree. But at the same time as we saw a whole load of fruit on our tree... Our neighbours also got an apple tree. And apparently, apple trees need another apple tree to be nearby for it to produce fruit. Anybody heard that? So so maybe it was all to do with the pruning. Maybe it was to do with the pruning. And it was to do with the fruit on the tree or, or the tree in the garden next door. But it got me thinking, do you know, it's so important that we surround ourselves, that we have good surroundings with people who also know and love Jesus. So we need to have good roots, good pruning, and good surroundings. And I was just thinking, how do we do that in church? There's two ways probably, it was probably lots of ways. Coming to church on a Sunday, surrounding ourselves by other people who love and know Jesus. Being part of a connect group. If you're not in a connect group, I would really recommend that you, be, you get yourself stuck into a connect group. Because it's a great way to be around people and for people to be able to love you and look after you and encourage you in times that are tricky in life. But also, that lady that I spoke about at the beginning, she was somebody that I said, can you speak into my life? That was something that I asked for. I said, you know, I I want to be accountable. I want someone to ask me difficult questions. I want someone to be able to speak in and say, hey, that's good. Or, do you know, Jude, that's really not very wise. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have somebody that you think of as wise in your life, and I've just told you how you know that someone's wise, and there's lots of very wise people in this building, ask someone, could I be accountable to you? Could, could we meet up? Could you ask me hard questions? Could you encourage me? Could you say, yes, that's a great bit of advice? Or no, that's not a very good idea. Puppies at Christmas, 
Mm-mm-mm. So make sure you've got the right people around you. Make sure you've got good surroundings. Okay, so if we need to have good growing conditions, we also need to have good intentions. We need to ask God. As I was prepping for today, I was thinking about who was wise in the Bible? Who is somebody that we know of that in the Bible, we look at their lives and we see that they're wise? And for those of you that don't know your Bible very well, that's totally fine. Um, Just encourage you to get to know your Bible. But there's a guy called Solomon, and Solomon was the son of King David. You know, David of David and Goliath. Most of you will have heard the story of his life. And um, when David died, Solomon was made king. And Solomon was actually just a really young child at the time. And God appeared to him in a dream and asked him what he would like to be able to rule the people. And this is what he said. It's going to come up on the screen as well from 1 Kings 3 verse 7 to 15. And I love to just picture this little boy, like he was a little child. That's what he says, asking God for this. He says, now, Lord, my God, you have made me your servant king in place of my father, David. I am only a little child. I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? A little child. Asking God to have a discerning heart. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father, did, I will give you a long life. It seems that if we ask for wisdom and we ask for it with the right intentions, that God will give it to you. And just as I was preparing, I was just wondering if there's maybe someone or a number of people here that you've got a really difficult decision that you're trying to make. You're like, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what's the right thing to do in this situation. And do you know, we would love to make an opportunity to just be able to stand with you and ask God in that moment. Do you know, we sang that song, where stood a wall now stands away. And that's my prayer for you this morning, that if you've come with a difficult situation or something hard that you're not sure which way to go, that where stood a wall, God would make a way. And so we'd love to pray with you this morning. And then finally, uh, we need to have, to become wise and understanding, we need to have a good heart check. We need to ask ourselves or ask yourself, ask myself. It's not just bananas, That can be different on the inside to the outside. It wasn't that long ago we had a bunch of apples sitting on our dining room table. And the kids were like, 
you know how they check which is the nicest looking apple, the one that looks the least wrinkly and the nicest color and all of that. I don't know how they make these decisions, but they do. Anyway, one of them took an apple and they put it in the center. And we've got one of those apple corers, you know, that you push down and it takes the core out and has all the segments. Well, they push down and it's like this spongy, weird feeling. And as they pulled out the core, the core was rotten and horrible and quite disgusting. The truth is that we can look great on the outside when right in the heart, right at the center of who we are, it can be a little bit messy and a little bit horrible. It says, doesn't it, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks so, so often when our hearts aren't in a good place, it spills out. I know that that's been the case for me over the years. When my heart's not in a good place, it affects the people around me. It affects the way that I do things, the way I carry myself. And I just want to encourage us this morning. Let's ask the Lord, have I got a good heart? And please, could you make my heart okay? Last week, um, Taryn was at our site and... She was just saying, do you know, sometimes when we ask the Lord or the Holy Spirit to come, I just find it really helpful to just picture myself as a house. And I invite God into every single room in the house and just say, Lord, would you do just a clean sweep of my house? And I just thought, you know, why don't we do that this morning? Why don't you just close your eyes where you are, if you're comfortable doing that? Why don't you just ask the Lord, just picture yourself as a house. And why don't you just say, Holy Spirit, Lord, would you come and would you do a clean sweep of my heart? Maybe it's the attic that no one sees. Maybe it's the basement. Just bring those things to Jesus now and just say, Lord, I bring them to you. You're welcome in. You're welcome to clean it out, to get rid of those bits in the in the attic, the bits in the loft that are not needed anymore, that are just creating clutter and rubbish in my life. Lord, would you just do a clean sweep? And maybe um, that's you and you're thinking, you know, I'd love to have a little prayer, a bit of prayer for that this morning. We'd love to do that. And then we can also ask ourselves by looking at the scripture that we've read this morning, can't we? There's a whole load of um, fruit. Like when I'm bringing a piece of advice or when I'm doing something, am I bringing it humbly? Is what I'm saying, is this going to bring unity? Is this going to bring peace? Is it sincere? What are my motives behind it? Is it me-centered or is it God-centered? Or is it going to bring, is it a selfish thing? Is it just because of me and what I want and what makes me happy? So we can ask ourselves. So let's just go right back to those two questions that we started with. How do I know who's wise and understanding or whether I'm wise and understanding? Let's look at the fruit. What's the fruit in our lives? What's the fruit in the lives of those around us? Is that somebody I'm going to ask for advice or wisdom on decisions that I'm going to make or things that I'm going to do? And, and what does that look like in my life? What's the fruit of my life, of those that are around me? 
And then how are we going to make sure that we are wise and understanding? We're going to make sure we've got good growing conditions, good roots, base our lives on the word. We're going to make sure that we're up for the pruning. Whatever the Lord wants to show us that he needs to get rid of or he wants to do in our hearts and our minds. And then we're going to make sure we've got good surroundings. We've got good people around us that are going to encourage us to do all that the Lord has for us to do. So I'm going to just close in a moment and just have a sense of a couple of things, really, that the Lord maybe wants to do. And if you're following online, I think there's people that are online, too, that you can say, hey, I'd love prayer for this. And uh, they can pray for you during the week or they can pray for you uh, right now in the chat and in the comments so do pop this in there and we're going to just in a moment go into a time of worship and in that time if any of this stuff has spoken to you or do you know you just want to be wise you want to be one of those wise people we would just love to pray for you so maybe you've you're sitting here and you're thinking it's all very well for you Jude talking about a decision about puppies like that's going to affect eight weeks of your life but the reality is I've made some decisions in life that actually have affected the whole of my life and that's hard and my life's pretty broken as a result of that you know we would love to just invite the Lord in to just heal heal you all up and just do what only he can do and then um just that that picture of there feels like there is no way and you just need the Lord to make a way to know if that's you today and you've come with a decision you're like I don't know what is the right way forward we'd love just to ask ask God the God of all wisdom to give you wisdom and then just as I mentioned if you just want wisdom you just want to be a wise person you want to be able to give people good wise advice and you want to make wise decisions in your life we would just love to invite the Lord and the Holy Spirit just to come and to minister to you Okay, so I think we're going to officially say goodbye to our online community. Why don't we all turn around and give them a wee wave? We've loved being with you.